What's going on? And welcome into a Wednesday edition of the Pelicans podcast presented by SeatGeek. I'm Daniel Salerson. We continue our player recaps here in our second week. Uh, we heard about Josh Hart yesterday from Scott Kushner. And today we're joined by Aaron Hartigan, uh, Valley Sports, New Orleans. Jim Eikenhofer, of course, is with us as he always is on a Pelicans podcast this afternoon. But Aaron, I, I think we need to rename it Wilkerson Wednesday here. Um, as far as you being married, I should Aaron Hardigan Wilkerson, Aaron Wilkerson. You know, I think we do. We need to take a poll on Twitter about what your last name is. How how do we how do we figure this out here? Well, I'm wondering if we need to admit that I totally just remembered minutes before going on that that's my new last name. Oh yeah, my new <laughs> my name is Wilkerson now. No, I mean listen. I, okay, I'm for those asking because I have had a lot of questions. I'm going by Aaron Hardigan professionally. I have made that a hot mess brand, and I got to keep it strong. Um, but I will tell you for those that, I mean, Will actually showed up to the wedding and I know a lot of people had money on that. So it's a hot ticket. Get that cash now. I feel like that's a promising first step for our marriage that he actually showed on wedding day. So we're off to a good start. Yeah. I had a little money on that. I actually lost some money on that <laughs> one actually. So uh, I didn't, I don't yeah. know if I wanted to admit that on the show, but uh, Me yeah, too. I, I, I guess I he went through sell, with it. <laughs> I, I had to sell my car. I lost out on that one. So. <laughs> You had the fire escape exit, uh, <laughs> is, is what he had his money on. No, it's yeah. So, so yes, just remembered my last name is now Wilkerson. So because David Wesley stood y'all up, it is now Wilkerson Wednesdays. Yes, and I'll be throughout the rest of next season too. So we've already confirmed that sponsorships in the work. We'll have to come up with some <laughs> new apparel for you because all your Aaron Hardigan apparel. I know it's still up because that is your professional name, but we'll have to get some Wilkerson T-shirts available for us. Here on Wednesdays, I think you can work on that with your agent, right, Aaron? Well, I will tell you too. You laughed at me the other day, but we are we're we didn't we weren't able to take a honeymoon um, after the wedding because it was midseason. So we are actually headed up to Omaha for the College World Series and calling that our belated honeymoon. So I will tell you, William, being a proud Texas alum, is hoping his Longhorns are at least there. But only we would make. Uh, <laughs> The College World Series, our honeymoon, right? No, that's fantastic. I love that. I love that. And I think that actually uh, is good to what we're going to talk about today with Jackson Hayes, as you all are fellow Longhorn fans, that uh, obviously Jackson played there and now completed the second season with the Pelicans. So I'll start with you, Aaron, on, on just overall. Uh, I think a lot of people want to talk about his growth throughout the season after being benched uh, early on. And then after that, really taking that mindset and taking that personally. And he saw a, basically a different Jackson Hayes after that, what did you see from Jackson in your number two with the Pelicans? Oh, gosh. There are a number of things I, I will say I love about Jackson. I, the, the, I think the – obviously, yeah, the, uh, the fact that he can jump out of gym and he puts on those in-game dunk shows for us. He has the, the pterodactyl wingspan, as Shaka used to call it, that puts on block parties. But I think my favorite quality about Jackson Hayes is that he comes from a very athletic family. He obviously gets his build and his stature from his father who played tight end in the NFL for a number of years. But Jackson will be the first person to tell you that he gets his on-court skills from his mother. Christy Hayes, was a, if you have not read up on Christy Hayes, she was an absolute badass, one of the best basketball players to come from the state of Iowa. And you both know how many greats have come from there. If you look at so many names throughout the league, um, and she, I mean, God, I think she averaged like 50 points a game her senior year. And then she was named like Mo Valley player of the year at Drake. Um, and, and she had this, uh, this killer crossover call and they, they named it the Kinney cross. 
And I know in talking to Christy last year, she mentioned that was one of the first moves she taught Jackson as a young kid, as soon as he could pick up a basketball. And you, and you see, I mean, for a guy his size, he, he has that cross in his repertoire. Um, but I just love the fact that, one, he, he gives mom her due credit and, uh, and that he showed out uh, on Mother's Day this year. Of all, of all games, uh, he helped in that win in Charlotte. So uh, I don't know. I dig that about him. Jim, what about you? Yeah, I, I think a lot of the stuff that Aaron touched on, one of the main reasons why Jackson Hayes, I think, was so popular from day one, just the way he plays, is a lot of the reasons why we love sports is he's just fun. It's just fun watching him play. Um, obviously just the alley-oops and the hustle plays. And he seems like he's a bundle of energy sometimes where he's all over the court. But I think one of the things that made him such an improved player this year was he just added a lot of kind of the finer points of the game and the details, some of the boring stuff, maybe that just the, the basketball diehard people like me that are going to be watching film and doing X's and O's get excited about. But, but um, obviously I think, for the, for the common person, if you're just tuning into a game and you haven't really watched the Pelicans too much, when you watch him, he's one of those guys that you immediately notice and say, man, I really like watching this guy play because he's just all over the court and he uh, does a lot of things that bring you out of your seat. And, and Jim, something I want to piggyback on, and I know you and I have, have discussed this, He, <laughs> I think of all the players on the team, Jackson's had to be the one to kind of learn on the fly most if that makes sense. So let, let's keep in mind, for those that aren't familiar, he, he was a late bloomer uh, in high school. He was actually, he, football was kind of his main yeah. focus early on. He wanted to follow in dad's footsteps. He was like a six five wide receiver. It was perfect. And then he had that growth spurt after his junior year. I mean, it was like the Anthony Davis uh, sort of spurt where it was like five, six inches after his junior year. And that's kind of when he became like that 6'10", 6'11", center presence in AAU and that's when you know he, he you know kind of garnered more attention and the offers started flooding in so I think that's when he realized basketball might be more of his future um so if you think about it he really only prior to being drafted Jackson Hayes really only had like two years of the utmost competitive basketball under his belt his senior year of high school and then his lone year at Texas then he's drafted. He comes, you know, he, he's traded in New Orleans and he, he sees more minutes in his rookie season than he did at Texas due to like injuries and, and unforeseen circumstances. So he's thrust into this mix as, as a, as a rookie and, and kind of having to learn on the fly. And then following that, he's robbed of a typical off season program last summer, you know? So, and I think Griff talked about that in his kind of post-mortem interview with you, Daniel, is that he, uh, the, the first and second year players were really robbed of like that developmental summer this past year. So to think that Jackson has made the strides he has without the, the, the time and attention that he is, that, that most players get at this point in their career. Um, it for me is promising Jim. Yeah. It's very exciting to think about the progress that he made under the circumstances that you just outlined as far as just a minimal amount of preparation, normal preparation, less off season, so you think that the jump that he made from year one to year two, it does make you very interested to see what kind of um, leap he's going to make again in, in year three, especially like you said, with his background of being a guy who hasn't played, you know, highly competitive basketball for very long. I mean, I think part of what led him to be beyond the obvious of what led him to off of the football field was realizing, I don't think it's the most safe thing for a six ten, six eleven 
tight end to be going over the middle with that center of gravity. It's not, not a, not very, a very safe proposition. So I think he made the right choice to move into the <laughs> basketball world. No doubt. Uh, I definitely think that is the right call for him. And we talked about it, you know, not being playing professional basketball or, you know, basketball in general for a long, for not that long. Uh, what about his maturation process? You, we talk about, you know, how he handled things, you know, in February or January, February, when, he was getting benched and having some DNP CDs. And look, you can take two directions with that. If you're a player, you can either sulk about it and say, you know, get mad about it. This is what it is. Or you can become angry about it and, and do something about it. Once you're able to get that opportunity. And I feel like Jackson Hayes took the ladder and he did see those strides, not only on the offensive side, but I think defensively is where he rose to the occasion, especially late on in the season Aaron, what do you see from his progress after, you know, he talked about it, how much, you know, that made him mad, but in a good way where he was able to use that and take that anger out on the court. Yeah. You know, I remember when, when covering him at Texas, I remember Shaga telling me one of his best qualities, what Jackson's best quality was his response to a tough out. His, his just, his response to either a tough outing or when maybe he didn't play or when things didn't go his way, he just said this kid is beyond his years in terms of maturity. And you go, you both mentioned that, of course, um, he's a fast learner and he's a, he's a quick observer. And, and that played a part in, in when he was benched. I know one of the first things Jackson said was, yeah, obviously you're, you're, you're upset at first. It's, it's the, you know, the, the ego is bruised a bit, but when he when, when, when he realized that he could sit back and watch a guy like Steven Adams, um, and, and, and Billy Hernan Gomez, and then even James Johnson, you know, he's, he's taken things from, from him as well, that veteran presence to, to be able to pick their brains and kind of, uh, learn from them about the various bigs throughout the league and, and how to, how to maybe guard them or how to get an edge against them. Um, and, and, and just going up against a guy like Steven Adams every day at practice. I mean, if you can physically hang with him, you can hang with anyone in the league. When he realized it was the, all of the things away from the lights that could make him better. It wasn't necessarily being on the floor in the, in the minutes. It was everything else away from there. I think that's when things really clicked for him. And, and, but, but, you know, going back to what I mentioned, Shaka said, that's kind of how he's always been. And I think a large part of that Jim is, is the fact that he had a father who played professional, a father and a mother who both played competitively. And then his father playing professionally. I think he was taught from a young age, um, just kind of ways to, to, I don't know, approach, this game and, and and that's obviously been something that's been highlighted this year i remember when i talked to jackson right before his rookie year i think this was at media day he talked about how his he was around his father a lot when on a day-to-day -day basis during the summer during nfl training camp and one of the things i thought that was funny jackson said about his experience of going to bengal's training camp was not just to learn like what the players what to do and from the bengal's players but also what not to do and so he, I think he, he kind of picked up different things and different tips. So that was definitely a great experience for him. But as far as um, him getting benched this year, I feel like for a lot of players, I mean, you can do, there's a lot of negative things that they can deal with. You can find them for different stuff. You can tweet negative things about them and they'll react a certain way. But if you take a guy's playing time away, to me, that's almost the harshest thing that you can do to somebody to really get their attention because I mean, every athlete wants to be on the court and the vast majority of these guys, 99.9% .9 of them have never been in a situation growing up where they weren't playing because they were always one of the best athletes on the team. It was, 
the kind of thing where when they weren't in the game, it was, it was a, a, a very rare instance. So all of a sudden now you're going game to game and night to night and you're not playing. I think that was something that he really, that really got his attention. So um, that was, but, but I think we always have to remember too, and it's so easy to forget this sometimes as you watch these guys on TV and follow them. I mean, he's only 20, 21 years old. Um, and I think as much as you expect everyone to, to be immediately ready mentally and maturity wise. And I do think he's mature. I think he's a very good person and a solid individual. Um, there's still things that you have to learn and there's still, um, Billy Hernan Gomez talked about how sometimes Jackson just needs to improve his focus. But I think that's a 20, 20 year old, 21 year old thing. Um, Charles Barkley says a lot of funny things. And one of the things that he <laughs> says from time to time that I always get a kick out of is he says, if, if I was making, when I came into the NBA, if I was making the kind of money that these guys make now and I was getting the att attention that they get, I would have showed I would have showed up to games in a spaceship. <laughs> and so you always have to think of that, that it puts true. things in perspective as far as just remembering the, the situation that some of these guys are in, but to Jackson's credit, he was very, seemed like he was very quickly able to take that negative and turn it into a huge positive with the way he played in the last few months of the season. And, you know, you mentioned, sorry, Dan, I don't mean to cut you off, Daniel, but uh, uh, you mentioned, you know, something, you know, things he learned from his father at training camp. I remember he, he mentioned the one thing his father said was always like remain ready. So when your number is called upon, you're, you're like, that's your opportunity and you got to shine because it may be the only opportunity you get. That was made evident when he sat out like that four game stretch, I want to say in March, um, he didn't see any playing time only to get, I think like late minutes in that loss to Minnesota. But when he was called upon, he comes in and scores like 11 points in 11 minutes. And then he went off on a spurt, like had 41 in the next three. I think he, he set like season highs in the next three games. Um, but, but again, it goes back to that maturity and that, that response to when things aren't going your way uh, for him at that age, at that young age, I mean, he, and, and being robbed of, of, of the proper developmental time in this league for him to already show that um, I, I, I'm, I'm most encouraged. Plus not to mention his defensive improvement. I mean, like we, we talk about like the, the in-game dunk shows, um, but, but it's the blocks and it's the, it's the defensive improvement that I think Stan was most impressed with. Yeah, absolutely. I think we'll go there right now as far as what is the next step for Jackson. But going back to both your points, I think people forget, too, that I think everyone expects a top 10 player being drafted. They automatically have to perform right away. They have to be an impact player. And if for some cases that is, you look at Zion Williamson, number one, and knew right away that he was going to be inserted in the lineup and make an impact. But that's not always the case with everyone. And I feel like patience is the term that I come to think about when it comes to fans and it comes to evaluating talent, especially you mentioned, Aaron, you know, that his first two years sort of being robbed based on COVID protocols and, and not really having an offseason this year that, you know, that all those guys really didn't have a lot of time to work on their game and get that full thing. We talk about Kyra Lewis Jr. being one of those guys as well that didn't have a summer league, got drafted. It's like, here you go, training camp, new coach, go. Um, I, I think it's kind of unfair sometimes what we put on some of these players that think right away if they don't put up the numbers that you would expect, then all of a sudden they're a bust or they're someone that's not going to work out. And I – I think that's not the case with Jackson. Even if you go into Keel, is just I feel like people have to be patient with some of their draft picks and, and realize that Pelicans are going through a process right now and that requires 
taking these two or three years to evaluate what they have and then figuring out what to do in the future. So I, I feel like that's something that we have to consider with Jackson. And I think it's especially true compared to maybe 15, 20 years ago when most of the guys that come out of the draft had played three or four years in college. Now you have so many more guys, even like you said, a guy that's the eighth pick in the draft, that doesn't necessarily mean he has a lengthy resume as far as what he did in college, which was not the case with Jackson. I mean, he played, you know, one season at Texas and he wasn't, you know, their most prominent player or among their, he's, he's definitely drafted as a guy with the future in mind. So I'm totally with you on that, that it's, it's about um, being patient and it's about looking at the longer process overall. Well, and, and again, he, um, (laughs) I just can't, I can't stress enough. I mean, this poor kid, you know, obviously like, you know, began playing competitive basketball so late in his career. And then literally his first two seasons in the league is, is just kind of thrust in and forced to, it's, it's a baptism by fire for him. And, and so I want, I want fans that are so quick to, to want to criticize, not even just fans, but anyone that's the, the critics, the doubters, like, can we give this kid proper time and a little grace here? I mean, he, he's, it's, it's, he, he's had some challenging circumstances and and I think he's embraced it well for like for for you know as you mentioned Jim his age and and having I mean I, I just I can't imagine the, the the pace of the game as well you know I mean you, you have some of the best players mentioned you know they struggle at kind of like grasping that right away and so I, I don't know I just I just want that to be to be made evident and I think Stephen Adams even touched on that as well he's like you know he's like he you know he kind of took him under his wing this year. And I think that was a large reason why I think Griff brought, also brought him in was that was just, he was just a wealth of, of knowledge and experience for, for a guy like Jackson. Um, and I know those two sat down and this is going to be beneficial in the long run. You talk about the long-term effects. Steven walked him through every, almost every big in the league and kind of filled him in on like, okay, this is what this guy tends to do. This is how maybe you get an edge on him. This is like maybe some, you know, he, he's, he's studying up on, on, guys he's going to have to to go head to head with throughout his career and so so again he's doing his homework off the floor and and so again let's just give him some time let's give him a normal off season and see what he can do <laughs> absolutely so as we wrap up here on a wilkerson wednesday let's talk about what this off season could potentially be for jackson a's and what may he be working on whether it's on the defensive side of the floor or offense I and mean, we talked and we joked about before this this podcast started of Jackson's range. We saw a few three-pointers for him at the very end of the season. They were a little bit of a line drive, but they were able to go in from the corner. Um, <laughs> what, what do you want to see from his game as far as expansion, whether it's on the offense or defense? So I'll start with you, Aaron, then I'll, I'll wrap up with Jim. What, what are you kind of looking for in your number three with him as far as his development? Okay, I will say two things, Jim. One, obviously putting on proper weight. And ja- here's another mature thing he says. I'm, I'm keeping a list of them. I'm like, this kid gets it. This kid, this kid's got his, his shit together, if, if I can say that on this podcast. But sure. <laughs> he, men- he, he, men- he mentioned, you know, it's not just about putting weight on and like eating whatever you want. No, he's, he's trying to put the right foods in his body. He's, he even mentioned, he's like, I'm doing the right lifts and the right workouts for my body type. You know, mm-hmm. it's, it's not a, it's not a, a, a one mold for all kind of thing. You know, it's not a cookie cutter thing for all. I mean, he's a, he's a long and lean guy. I think he's done a lot more like rubber band work, um, you know, to kind of help with flexibility and balance and, and whatnot. So he, I think if he can kind of uh, transform or evolve his physique in the off season, um, that'll help. And two, this is something Antonio Daniels and I've talked about 
yes, the block parties are fun when he swats them like halfway up into the stands. Like, yes, that's exciting. I think what would make him even more dangerous is if he can learn to block those shots, but maintain, but, but attain possession of the ball. You know, I mean, yeah, it's, 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 and Jim, I mean, I'm, I'm sure you can kind of understand that it, it's for, for us, sure. it's entertaining, for us, it's entertaining the volleyball spikes into the stands, you know, and it's knocking over popcorns and beers, but if he can find a way to block a shot, but then grab possession, that takes him to another level. Definitely. I mean, my, my list of, of things that I thought would be key for him this off season. I mean, you, you touched on a couple of them getting stronger is, is maybe one of the ones at the, at the top of the list. Um, his progress defensively, which you just talked about in terms of his shot blocking for me, not only just keeping the ball in bounds, but maybe just being more consistent with shot blocking. It seemed like at the end of the season, he really did take a, a leap in that, but over the course of the season, it wasn't really something that we saw until later on, which I think part of that ties into his understanding of where to be on defense and that kind of thing. We see his athleticism on offense all the time. So it was great to see that come to the table more on the defensive end as well with this, the exciting plays that you talk about where he's swatting the ball into the stands, even if we would prefer sometimes it, it stays within the lines. Um, but two other parts of, of his game that I've thought about was, and these are things that he's addressed a few times too, is just being a more consistent rebounder. That's something just like his shot blocking, I think with his, with his physical ability and his tools that he can be a better, more consistent, more productive rebounder. So that's definitely an area that he's going to focus on. You want to average, you know, closer to eight, 10 rebounds a game instead of the four or five that he's averaged in relatively limited playing time his first couple of years. And then the last thing is just foul trouble, which I think also goes hand in hand with some of his understanding on defense of where to be in the right spots and to not be late when he's coming over on help defense, which, which he did, I think a lot better as the year went on. So um, he hasn't had to worry about that a ton in, in, in terms of fouling out of games when his minutes were limited, but as he plays more, you're going to run into more situations where you really need to keep those fouls down so that you're not the coach isn't having to, to, you know, call someone down the bench and say, Hey, get in there for Jackson. And also for a team, from a team standpoint, you want to avoid unnecessary fouls because, you know, obviously you don't want to get into the penalty and it just hurts a defense when you have guys committing fouls in situations where it can be avoided. So that would be my, my list of things. And again, these are all things that he's talked about that I think if he can check off some or all of these things, we're going to see an even better player in his third year than what we saw in the second half of the second season. I'm glad he didn't hold back when going through your list, Jim. I appreciate your honesty here on the Pelicans <laughs> podcast. We talk coach about prop bet. Don't call him coach. <laughs> we want to talk about, let's talk about a prop bet here. More blocks next year. Jackson Hayes, or Jim, I can offer on Twitter with Lakers fans. Which one will have more blocks? Ooh, I think that's hey. the prop bet for the for the off season here, or for even next season entering in. You know what? That's a mention staff court. That that's a <laughs> that's a very easy one for me to pick his blocks because I do not almost without fail. I do not without exception. I do not block people okay. on Twitter. So so I, can you I, unblock I, me then? <laughs> I just mute you, so okay, I haven't had to block you either. But no, I, uh, I, I do not block anyone. I, I, it's probably not true. I probably have blocked one or two people in however many years. But uh, 
But yeah, oh, that's so wait, the, so what what is the underlying thing with Jim and like Lakers fans that is that why you were not watching the Damian Lillard show last night or what know, was the situation you, behind that? Now you guys are get now you guys are putting <laughs> all my secrets out in the street. I think we're opening up a, a whole new can of worms that can be discussed <laughs> at a later time, but uh I mean you're not wrong, Aaron. Yeah, I <laughs> I'll I guess I'll have to come clean and hundred percent admit that the tweet that I said about how I'm not watching the Nuggets Trailblazers was a was a total troll move. I was watching that game. I just wanted to, I just wanted to troll some people. So, I think I was effective in doing that. So, uh, thanks, thanks, guys. For, thanks for putting everything out there. <laughs> I, I, I mean, look, it's, it's not a bad thing watching the Lakers lose. I mean, I wouldn't blame you. you know? I mean, you know. I do I think there were there. I do think there were a couple of people who thought I was being serious. But you know how that is. You can't. You can't. If you have to explain the whole joke, then it ruins the whole joke. So. I didn't bother. There were there were some people who were like, "What the heck? Are, why are you watching a yeah. forty point game when you could be watching Damian Lillard in one of the greatest performances in history?" But explaining I, explaining jokes. Welcome to my life, Jim. I will tell you, our our boy John Shazer had like the best tweet of the night. He said, "If the fate of humanity rested on one jumper, I got Dame. We will live." That said. I got Jim Eikenhofer from the logo all day, every day. <laughs> Absolutely. No doubt about that. And I thought Jim was just admitting on Twitter last night, they didn't pay his NBA TV bill. And that's why he was forced <laughs> to watch Suns and Lakers because he didn't get NBA TV on, on, on his television. So, you know, maybe that's another thing that, you know, he's working on here during the off season is getting NBA TV, but you know, we'll never know, I guess, Jim, I think we'll just have to wait and see what, what else he has in mind come game six. You should have given me that excuse before we started recording the podcast. So I could have used that <laughs> as my explanation. Okay, oh, well. Cool. well, you can use that next time. And you can obviously follow him on Twitter at Jim underscore. I can offer or follow Aaron. I am Aaron Hardigan, even though she's now Aaron Wilkerson. You could pick which one you want to use whenever you want, but we're going to use Wilkerson here for Wilkerson Wednesday, but we really appreciate Aaron Hardigan from Valley sports New Orleans, who you'll of course see, on your television next season. And uh, right now, Aaron's enjoying some Rangers baseball. And hope you enjoy your your honeymoon, Aaron. Enjoy the College World Series. Hopefully your Longhorns can make it out of there. Uh, hopefully. Listen, I will tell you this, guys. I, to wrap it up, um, and, and, and not to get too serious, I was actually asked uh, last week from a group of high school and college students who, like, what, what, how I would best describe this past year. And I will tell you, I think as challenging as it was going from, like, literally no sports to all the sports at the same time in condensed seasons. I mean, it was an absolute gauntlet and why I eventually had to spend money on a wedding planner because there was no way I was going to be able to juggle all that. Um, I think what we learned was how comfortable we all are and how creative we can get when, when our backs are against the wall and we can embrace change. We learned how to do, we st- I mean, we still made great television and radio and podcasts and media, right? Uh-huh. Um, that said, I miss human interaction. So bring on, bring on the, the shoot arounds and seeing you two next year. I cannot wait. Um, if anything, this year has taught me that I will never again take for granted getting to tackle Jim Eichenhofer prior to a press conference. That will be on next year, my friend. Well, I, you have very, you have very low standards. I, no wonder you're happy all the time. If that's all you're asking for, you're not, that's a, such a low bar. I'll oh. never take it for granted again. <laughs> if you get the tackle, Jim, I can offer, then I might take a swing at that too, as well as before the season starts. Just your your preseason tackling of Jim uh, before we get to October and preseason game start. But you're absolutely right. Hopefully you you can get back in the building. We can be watching practice together, shoot arounds, and, and just seeing each other again. Hopefully that is the case. But until then, Aaron, hope you enjoy the rest of your offseason. 
this won't be the last time we talk to you of course but really appreciate you coming on and again enjoy the honeymoon thanks guys wilkerson wesley wednesday next time we'll, we'll, absolutely we'll, uh, we'll, we'll collab We'll collab, no doubt about that. Tomorrow we'll have Will Guillory back on to talk about Nikhil Alexander-Walker. We'll wrap up the week on Friday with Billy Hernan Gomez and Christian Clark. He volunteered for that one. He definitely wants to talk about his boy, Billy Hernan Gomez. So we'll hear from him on Friday and then three more next week to wrap things up. Again, big thanks to Aaron for coming on and for Jim. I'm Daniel Salerson. Thanks for listening to the Pelicans podcast presented by C.